Hello everybody and welcome to mastermind.fm where we talk about doing business with WordPress and the life of a business owner. Whether it's good or bad, we'll go along and see every episode what we come up with in this regard. So your hosts today are, as always, James Laws from WP Ninjas and myself, Jean Galea, from WP Mayor and WP RSS Aggregator. In this episode, we're going to talk about hardware, and that's going to take different facets, as we'll see. But before we get into that, let's take a brief pause for our sponsor. Before we get started today, we'd like to take a moment to thank WP Engine, one of the premier managed hosting services for the WordPress community. They've become the first official sponsor of Mastermind.fm and have an offer exclusively for you, our listeners. If you give WP Engine's one-year managed hosting plan a try, the first four months are on them. Just enter the coupon code MASTERMIND at checkout. Now, we can't speak highly enough of WP Engine as a managed WordPress hosting service. They're one of the best, and if you're in the market for a host, looking to upgrade, or just curious about their plans, look them up and give them a try. You won't be disappointed. If you do wind up on board, send us an email at podcast at mastermind.fm and tell us about your experience. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, John, I just wanted to mention as we uh, start this show and before we get into our topic, I'm really excited. We actually have a giveaway uh, this is something new that we're doing uh, with the Mastermind.fm podcast, and we're going to see how it works. But if you're interested in the giveaway, uh, I don't want to tell you all about it just yet. If you want to hear about the giveaway and enter to win, stick around to the end of the show where we'll explain what we're giving away and how you can participate. I hope it'll be a fun way for people to kind of engage and, and maybe even uh, get some exposure to some new products or items that they may not otherwise have opportunity to use. Yep, I'm really excited about that. And yeah, as James said, more info at the end of the episode. So let's start off with our hardware. The first thing I think we would like to talk about is the fact that my hardware setup tends to be more focused on being on a road since I travel a lot. While James has a, a really nice office, so he's got the liberty of investing a bit more in the hardware and furniture there. So let's start with desks and chairs and all that. So James, you have some recommendations? Yeah, so, uh, you know, the, 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 the life of a, especially for us, like we're in the product business or the information business, we spend a lot of our time sitting in front of a computer. And so from a desk standpoint, I want to highly advocate for a standing desk. Now, there's a number of ways you can do that. You can get one that is actually adjustable, that can easily move from a sitting to a standing position. Or you can get one, you know, just have a standing desk and a sitting desk and switch back and forth and move your laptop. For me personally, I've opted for an adjustable desk because, of course, I have a monitor on my desk and I have other things. And I don't want to have to move all of that stuff every time I want to shift position. I want something that just lets me easily stand up. So I've experimented with a series of standing desks. I've ordered a bunch from probably the most expensive in the space, which is Nextdesk. And uh, the matter of fact, most of our office is outfitted with Nextdesks. I bought them for all of our staff. But there is also Updesk and EvoDesk for a lower cost solution, more budget uh, recommendation currently is Updesk, but there's some other standing desks that are coming into the market that are uh, much more inexpensive uh, and still fairly decent quality. But I, I highly advocate for a standing desk. It's it's really important to get up, move around, keep your blood circulating. Uh, I find I do better work actually standing than I do sitting. Uh, and so that's just uh, one of the 
big pieces of hardware or tools that we use it within our offices. Uh, so a big advocate of those. Okay, so in this case, what pricing are we looking at? Just to give an idea to our listeners. Yeah, so like the next desk can go anywhere up into over two grand, right? Over $2,000 for the next desk, whereas the up desks you can actually get for under a thousand. Uh, and there are some new entrances into the market that you can get anywhere between the four and $600 range that are actually really decent quality, have some of the same hardware as some of the upper scales. Where they cut corners sometimes, it will be either like in the leg casings or in the in the type of wood uh, that they're using for their, their desktops or in the accessories like a keyboard drawer, uh, slide out tray or something like that. They'll try to cut, you know, cut costs there. Uh, but you can really get them anywhere from down in the four to five hundred dollar range for the lower cost models up into you know two three thousand dollars right so the other day i found some standing desk where you can actually speak to it oh really and yeah i think it was either on indiegogo or one of those crowdsourcing sites or i i'm not sure might have been a product that's actually on sale so yeah, it, you can actually tell the desk. It works as a personal secretary, so it can dim the lights for you and all that. It can even order food for you, actually. Oh, that's awesome. And now I know what the next uh, crop of desks I'm going to be buying is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can move you over from burgers to something <laughs> Maybe. <different. laughs> I wouldn't hold your breath, but maybe. <laughs> So what shares do you use? Um, you know, I can't, I'm, I'm going to have to look these up. So I'm going to have to hand this over to you for just a second because I can't remember the name of the, the, the particular chairs. They're fairly common. I think if you watch almost any, like if you watch Silicon Valley or if you watch any of these kind of tech shows or business office type shows, these chairs are seen everywhere you go. Um, I just cannot remember the name of them for some reason. Yeah. So while James is checking the name. <laughs> yeah. So so what chairs do you use? <laughs> oh, I'm all sponsored by IKEA. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we'll come to that. All right. So we've spoken about chairs, about your desks. And uh, something that would be good to know is whether your brand of desks and chairs are available all around the world. I know some of them are or have prohibitive shipping prices or are straight not available outside of the U.S. Yeah, I could see that being a real problem, especially with some of the standing desks, right? They're not light by any means, so the freight shipping is usually required for these types of, these types of desks, and most of these companies are within the states. Uh, so I could imagine cost for shipping is prohibitive in a lot of these in a lot of these cases. Maybe not per, perhaps in all, and maybe not in the lower end of the desk. When you get down into the four hundred dollar range, where the materials they use are lighter and less expensive in that way. Um, but yeah, I I could definitely see that as being perhaps more cost prohibitive depending on where you live. Um, that's that's certain. Great. So if you cannot find these particular brands of desks, my alternative is, as I mentioned, is to use IKEA's furniture. So IKEA have a standing desk, which I believe is priced in the 400 to 600 dollar range. They in fact have more than one version. One of them has a lever to put it up or down. And they also have a version, which is the push button version, which has to be connected to a power outlet and obviously moves up or down at a touch of a button. And it's a very good desk. I've tried it. I don't have that particular version at home. I just have a standard desk, but I've tried it at the IKEA store and it's very comfortable. 
for desk chairs, I use the top of the range IKEA one, which is again really cheap. I mean, compared to the branded ones, the bigger brands, it's around 150 maybe US dollars or euro, something in the range. It's the IKEA Marcus office chair. And I have actually a list of all the hardware I'm using on my blog, which I will link to in this post. But yeah, when it comes to desks and chairs, I'm all IKEA at the moment. And this gives me the facility to just sell them off when I move or just store them somewhere without worrying too much about them. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a challenge, right? If you put too much money into the desk and the chair that you sit in, they become more of a burden when it comes to, especially for you, right? If you're traveling from one location to another, you're changing location. It's not like if I were to move somewhere, it's definitely an undertaking to to take all of this equipment apart, put it together, you know, and then move it somewhere, put it back together. It's expensive. So where I store it is important. If I were to put it in storage, it would have to be because of the electronics involved in the desk, it would have to be temperature controlled. And like, there's, there's definitely some challenges to that to to keep in mind. When I, uh, when I, I just, for, for me, the reason we went with next desk is I saw them and I just fell in love with them. And I was like, I'm just, I want to own one of those. That's the desk I want. And then I got a little bit, overzealous and I started buying them for everyone on the team (laughs) yeah I mean uh, I actually was working at a co-working space throughout my travels because that's where the only place I could find a comfortable setup because at home I would have just the standard furniture of my rented apartment but in the last couple of months I started thinking about buying as in in a more of a renting philosophy where I just calculate the amount I'm going to spend and divide it by the months I'm going to use it and it turns out that say a month of co-working would have cost me 250 euro and my desk and chair setup cost me 300 so it's more or less one month at co-working which meant that I stopped going to co-working and it's now three months, so I more than recovered my money, if I think about it in that way. Plus, I can always sell the, the desk and chair when I leave my current location. And this is kind of a little bit of off, kind of off topic, but on topic. Cause so one way of avoiding buying a lot of hardware, right, is doing something like a co-working space. But the, the, the value of a co-working space isn't just in the equipment or the hardware, but it's being around other people, like-minded people, creative people, people who are building their own businesses, and hopefully to build and establish relationships there. So the value is, is a different value proposition than just the hardware. But like you're saying, if it's just about the hardware, it's cheaper many times just to get what you need for your, your home, office, or wherever you're located uh, and do it that way. So for those of you who are digital nomads, I would recommend if you have a minimum of four to six months in one place, you can start thinking about buying certain things that will improve your productivity. If it's less than that, it's not really worth the hassle of buying, selling, all that, you know, unless it's something cheap or that you can take with you to your next place. Okay, so on the topic of uh, standing desks, do you use mats? You know, I have a mat and it just depends on the floor that you have. If you're on a, if you have a, you know, for instance, if you're on a carpeted floor, you probably don't need a mat. If you have, uh, even if you have a hard floor, if there is actual cushion or padding underneath, like, you know, usually underneath a floor, you have a subfloor of some sort of a cork or air cushion or whatever. And if you do, you probably don't need a mat. It may depend on your feet, your knees, your back, your weight, like all of these things kind of factor into it. I tend to not use a mat because the mat actually causes me more fatigue 
because of it being so soft and squishy than just being on the on this you know the stable hard floor and would you recommend i mean from your experience at the office since everybody has one would you recommend it to anyone or is there specific cases where you wouldn't really recommend a standing desk well i i think I would. I almost always would recommend a standing desk because I think everybody should get up and move around a little bit. And a standing desk makes that easy. If if you're a busy person and you're constantly working and it's not easy for you to stand up and continue to work, you're less likely to do it. And so you're going to spend your whole day sitting in front of your computer, never moving. And so by having a standing desk, it's easy to kind of adjust or change to increases your chance exponentially that you're going to actually stand up and move around. That's not always the case. Like there are people in our office who they have a standing desk, but they don't stand very often. We encourage them to, we kind of give them a hard time that we never see them standing at their desk, um, not to shame them or guilt them, but just to kind of remind them, you know, you can stand up, like you can move around and we encourage you to stand up and move around. So I, I highly recommend them almost in any circumstance. I'd say, I, you know, especially as those prices are coming down, as you've seen, like with Ikea standing versus, it's almost just as expensive to buy a standing desk as a non-standing desk. Like they're getting much, much cheaper. Yes, you can spend thousands of dollars on standing desks if you want to, but you don't have to. So there's really not even a cost prohibitive reason of not having a standing desk these days. I actually tried a standing desk set up kind of kind of a standing desk because I had a higher sort of bar set up uh, when I was living in Thailand plus I had the standard desk so I was switching between the two and I really liked the the fact not only f from a physical aspect but also psychologically it helped me switch between tasks and get a fresh perspective sometimes on things and the fact that you're standing you know, you start thinking a bit differently. I don't know if you've experienced something similar. I, I think you're, you're absolutely correct. As a matter of fact, I think there are certain types of work that are more suited to be standing than sitting and vice versa. There are some tasks that I, when I get ready to start them, I sit down because they are, a, it's for me, psychologically and mentally, they are a sitting task. I think more clearly. I'm more focused on that task when I'm sitting and vice versa. There's some tasks that, man, when I stand up, that task comes alive and I kind of... I kind of get excited about it. So uh, you want to experiment with that. Like try different, figure out what tasks work best in what posture. So in my case, it was blogging and coding. Those were my standing activities. I was really much more productive when I was standing in those two particular scenarios. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Um, I think that, that's similar for me. It, well, I would say if I'm working on a creative coding project, standing was really good. If I was focused on a problem solving, sometimes I'd sit down to focus on it. So I think it kind of depend. It kind of depends on your maybe on your personality, uh, what tasks, uh, you know, how you how you tackle certain tasks. But certainly there were specific tasks that when I stood up, they were much easier and more fun to tackle, and vice versa. So you, you definitely want to play around with that. Yeah, I mean, this might sound funny, but many years ago I used to be a DJ, so. This feeling of being uh, standing up and like creating something. And I, I usually put music while coding or writing. So it gives me a very similar feeling to when I used to DJ and have the equipment in front of me, you know, and sort of that same creative vibe going on. And it really helps me to write and have that uh, flow going on that I don't really get when I'm sitting down. 
Well, Jean, I think that brings up a question I think all of our listeners want to know then. If uh, that being the case, when you're standing and coding and kind of have that vibe going and listening to some music, do you dance? Do you dance while you work? For sure. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why I'm alone in the room. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. All right. So moving on to something else. I, I actually, before we move on to something else, I've also come across these conversion kits that you can put on a standard table. So you put the monitor on it and the keyboard, or was it just the monitor, I think, and it goes up and down. Oh, yes, you have to put, so it was the keyboard, the mouse, and the monitor that you put on this sort of mini desk that goes up and down, and that gives you the same, well, standing, standing, uh, sitting combination. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of those convert kits, right, you you don't have to buy a full standing desk. Maybe you have, you know, the Amazon way, uh, as one of my employees who used to work for Amazon talks about that what they used to do is really just take like an old door and basically put two by four legs on it and use those as desks as a part of their core values of being frugal. The truth though is maybe you do have a desktop or an old desk or a door or something that's suitable for a desk. You can actually buy just those legs, right? Uh, the, the, the legs, the hydraulics or chain you know, legs and put those on anything and they can function. So there are, there are a bunch of cheap ways of doing that. So the advantages of these uh, convert kits, I'm not sure if they're actually called convert kits, but let's call them that for now. We'll try to link, link to them in the show notes. But the advantages I see are that if you're working in a place where they have a standard set of desks and they won't just buy you a standing desk because you're special, you know, you just get you just got buy one yourself and take it to your office and, you know, make everybody jealous. So that's that's one of them. Another thing you mentioned, good thing you mentioned it, is that many co-working spaces, at least here in Europe, have this kind of frugal setup as well, which is kind of the trend nowadays, have everything made out of wood, these doors on cheap legs, or I've even seen a co-working space use desks made out of cardboard that you can assemble by um, affixing. They have like holes and the legs go into the face of the desk, but it's all made of cardboard. So uh, obviously that won't convert into a standing desk. So you get one of these converting convert kits. And they're also, they also might be portable. So you can travel with them possibly from one country to another if that's your style of working. Very cool. Okay, so we've spoken about uh, our sensors. What about uh, something like the monitors? So for us, most of our monitors we've been using because we're, we're per, our office is pretty much all Macs. So our office pretty much uses Thunderbolt displays. Uh, exclusively throughout the office. So everybody has, depending on your position, what kind of work you do, uh, depends on whether you have one or two Thunderbolt displays on your desk currently in our office. What do you personally use? I personally have one Thunderbolt display. I had two um, because, which is really kind of the maximum in our office. You either have two or you have one. And I had two because, well, I own the business and I wanted two. So I had two, but I realized that it wasn't really helping my productivity. It was actually hurting my productivity because of the kind of work I was doing. Because I would end up having one monitor with all kind of communications and social media and all this stuff kind of running on one. I'd have some whatever was in my browser, whatever I was working on, on the main one in front of me. And then I'd also have my laptop open to the side. 
side with stuff on it. And what I found was I was just distracted by everything on every monitor. Like I never was, I was never able to focus in and do the work I needed to do. So I actually gave away one of my monitors to someone else and let them have two. And I just, I decided one was enough for me. Plus, I think you had mentioned in an earlier episode that you also have this screen on the wall showing stats or do you not still have it? Yeah, I, I, I do. So I have a, you know, I have this kind of large screen TV, um, that's kind of kind of built into the wall. It actually came with the office that we have, but it's kind of built into the wall. And I usually throw up like our Google Analytics traffic, our live traffic. It just kind of gives me an idea of a pulse of what are people looking at right now? Is there something I can look at trends that are happening for that day? Kind of works as a kind of a makeshift is my site still up kind of thing because I can see the traffic. So, but yeah, I do, I do have that as well. Although we've just recently as an interesting turn of events, we have this big office, but we decided we wanted to be a little scrappier and work closer together. And sometimes being separated in individual offices kind of gives us a bigger corporate feel than we didn't, that we really didn't want. So we have a large room in the upstairs that we were using as kind of a just kind of a general meeting room. We've actually moved our entire team in there. So we've actually moved all of our desks. Like right now I'm down in my old office, which I use for podcasting or recording or important phone calls or business meetings. But my actual desk now is actually upstairs with everybody else. And it's kind of a little bit of a desk farm. We're all together, all the developers, all the support team, myself, uh, my CTO, we're all there together. And it's been kind of an interesting experiment. We've been doing it for about a month and, and we've really enjoyed it. Sounds cool. So I actually had uh, an experience with monitors since I was traveling a lot. I was always trying to find the perfect setup. Obviously, I was traveling with my laptop. I had a, I started off with a MacBook and then passed on to a MacBook Air, a 13-inch MacBook Air. And now I'm on my MacBook Pro 15-inch. And certainly the 15-inch is much better than the 13-inch MacBook Air in terms of screen size, screen real estate. Also, giving, given the fact that it's a Retina display and the other one wasn't. Now, what I used to do while traveling, and this would be a good tip for the digital nomads out there, is connect the iPad via an app called Duet. So this is an app you can find on the App Store. And then you connect to your laptop via a standard USB wire to your, to your uh, iPad. Plus, there are also these attachments that fit at the side of your screen and connect either a, an iPad or a phone. I think it works just for iPhones, but I'm not sure about that. So anyway, you can, you can have that extra monitor even to the side attached to your screen, actually. So we'll link to those as well. Yeah, I think those are actually really cool solutions. I've used something similar to that at one point where I would take my iPad and use it as kind of a dual monitor setup. So if I was at a coffee shop or something like that, I could actually still have uh, a kind of a makeshift dual screen, which was helpful. Um, you know, and there are times to use more than one monitor, right? Like in most cases, I only need one monitor. But I found that when I'm when I'm in active development, having two monitors is super helpful. So I can have one one screen that has my development tools on it, and I can have another screen that has the live project that I'm working on. So I can kind of see how it's going, how it's developing on the front end, um, especially when I'm doing like web design or something like that. I'm coding on one screen, and then the other screen has my browser, so I can refresh and see how my changes are affecting what I'm working on. Yeah, I think that's the most obvious example where two screens are really useful. Nowadays, I just have the MacBook Retina uh, on one 
Said and Adele. Uh, I think it's, uh, I have to check. It's a 27 inch size monitor, not super expensive. It's not retina, but it does the job really well. And again, I can sell it at any point and probably not lose much money from the purchase price. What else? I also have a habit of attaching my, well, actually it's not attaching. I just have these little stands that I link to. Perhaps they're just, I got it off eBay. So what I do is put my phone on them and just use it as a digital clock. Yeah. So I, I have a better idea of the time passing and I sometimes use it for time tracking like toggle. We use toggle for time tracking and these Pomodoro techniques, which will, I guess we'll mention more in the software episode that we'll have further on. But yeah, I, I have this sort of mini screen where I just keep these, these apps open on the other side of my main screen. No, that's that's pretty cool. I, I do a little bit of that. I have a stand for my for my phone so that I can use that for other purposes. I generally use it for like the instant notification communication. Uh, so I get those notifications of when people are trying to get in touch with me. It's on my phone. It's off my screen. So I don't. It doesn't distract me as much. And for me, I use you know all of our office has different computers and needs. All of our developers use the larger MacBook Pros. Uh, larger hard drives, larger memory, all of that stuff. Um, I use a 13-inch MacBook Pro Retina. Um, that's all I need as far as screen space. I want the smaller size for when I travel. Uh, so I like the 13-inch when I'm, let's say, at a conference or something like that. I can still bring the same computer that I use all the time everywhere I go. It's easier to tra travel with uh, than, say, the bigger, like 15 or even plus, you know, larger than that. Um, but most everyone else, I think, is using, uh, generally using a 15-inch MacBook Pros uh, across the board. And uh, here's a digital nomad tip again. If you have a MacBook or I think it actually works on most other laptops too, there's this thing called the Roos stand, which is a magnificent stand for your laptop. And it packs into a really small size. It's made of plastic, so it's super easy to carry about. It comes in a small pouch. And that's what I'll be using from now on. I used to have a Griffin stand, and you'll find these on Amazon. There's only one Griffin stand for my uh, MacBook. And that's what I have on my desk right now. But from now on, when traveling, I'll definitely be taking the Roos stand with me. Very interesting. Very cool. So before we continue, let's take a break for our second sponsor and we'll be back with you soon. Check this out. We all know how important security is on today's web. This week's episode of Mastermind.fm is brought to you by SiteLock, the global leader in website security solutions. They bring you the most comprehensive suite of security software on the web with vulnerability scanning, malware detection, removal, and prevention. They also offer Global CDN, the content delivery network, to boost your speed and ensure your visitors are reaching you as quickly and efficiently as possible, no matter where in the world they are. Give SiteLock a look at sitelock.com mastermind. All right, so we're back and let's talk a little bit more. So we've talked a little bit about desks and chairs. We've talked a little bit about laptops and uh, sizes and travel monitors. We've touched on uh, what we use at least. Um, I'm actually always looking for, uh, I was really gung-ho about the Thunderbolt displays and I do love them, um, but at some point 
they are not necessarily uh, the most cost-effective hardware that's in our office when we have so many of them. Um, so I'm so I'm thinking about like what is the next style of monitor that I might buy for our office as these start to deteriorate and, and fall apart over time. I believe they're really old now, right? Yeah, Thunderbolt displays are pretty old. I mean, they're fantastic. I mean, they're not Retina still. Um, that's been a big complaint about about the the Thunderbolts. I I don't think they've had an upgrade update in a really really long time um but they're expensive they're pretty much a thousand dollars a piece so they're really expensive where you can get the same size monitor same quality um, picture anyway not hardware but the same quality picture or view of a uh, display of a monitor for you know a couple hundred bucks easily so yeah that was my logic in fact now that i remember when i bought this dell I was looking at the Thunderbolt and found this MacRumors website where it gives you recommendations on what to buy with regards to Apple products. And uh, like the Thunderbolt was mentioned as it's due for an upgrade, which never happened eventually. But at the price that you pay for an old model of the Thunderbolt display, I could get this Dell, which is equally good in quality at around 400 or 500 euro max. And this model actually turns into the vertical setup as well. So it's good for coding. Yeah, so I definitely agree. Like the Thunderbolt displays are not the most cost effective. Now they're fantastic. Apple does a brilliant job of creating what I would consider to be sexy hardware. Like it just feel, it's so solid. They're extremely heavy. Um, they just feel great and they look great. And that's, you know, a little bit to my vanity as I was setting up our office and our desks and all this stuff, that part of it was just for the vanity of how much I liked the way they looked. Um, that's not necessarily the best way to write, run a bootstrap business per se, but um, just, you know, you have to kind of figure out what the dynamic of your, your budget is, the dynamic of what you want your office to be, and decide for yourself what tools you need. I love the Thunderbolts. I don't have a problem. I don't have any, I don't have buyer's remorse. I really like them, um, but they're super expensive. So. And we haven't touched on the Apple vs. everything else topic. Perhaps we should not touch it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we don't want to get into that debate. <laughs> but I'll just say this, that I had been a very, a very adamant not to choose Apple products because I always deem them as overpriced. And a couple of years ago, I switched. I think it was, what was it I bought? I think it was the laptop which I bought first. And ever since, I've been buying all the other products, actually, because it really is a big difference. Yeah, I... You know, one of the guys that works for us, actually, our, our very first hire here at the company was an adamant Windows anti-Apple individual. And when he came, he had a little bit of a transition pain because he came in and I said, no, we're going to buy you a, a Mac laptop and you're going to use, that's what you're going to use. Like that's, we did that for a number of reasons. We wanted, um, we just really wanted some hardware consistency, everybody using the same tools. And so we kind of forced him to use a Mac and now he is a huge Mac advocate. Like he will talk about Apple products and how great their quality is. He's not a it's like super fanboy, like he still prefers what Pebble is doing in the watch versus the Apple watch and things like that. So he's not like just every product, he's going to choose Apple every time, but he will he will definitely tell you why a Mac is better than a Windows machine any day. <laughs> like he is he has been he has been won over in that regard. Now, I am of the opinion, use what you love and what works for you. If that's a Mac, great. If that's Windows, great. I'm not going to give you a hard time either way. I don't have to 
I don't have to belittle you and what you use to love what I use. So I can still love what I use and allow you to love what you use, even if it's different. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The only thing I'll say is that if you haven't ever tried an Apple laptop and you can afford it, do yourself a favor and get one or try it at the store, whatever. Yeah, I think all of us have a similar story, especially those of us who came from Windows, right? We all, every time I'd go to buy a laptop, I'd be like, yeah, I could buy a Mac, but man, for $1,000 cheaper, I could get a more powerful Windows laptop. And then a year to two years later, it would be running like garbage. I'd be hating the experience and I'd be like, man, I need to buy a new laptop. I should probably try a Mac. And then I would price it and I'd go, it's too expensive for the price of a Mac. I, you know, I kept talking myself out of it until one day, finally, like you, I just said, you know what? I'm just going to buy a Mac. And I bought it and I've never looked back. Like, it's just a great experience. And with regards to pricing, I'll also say that at home I have a few laptops lying there, which probably cost me around 4000 and all. And these are non-Apple laptops. And I'm already on my third Apple laptop, and I've sold the other two laptops without any problem at all. So actually, you're pretty much losing more money and resale value with the non-Apple products. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, it's like when you think about automobiles, there are certain cars that have a higher resale value just by default because of the type of cars they are, like Hondas have a great resale value. Uh, Apples are that way. They resell really well. The other thing I like about Apples is, for me, they just last longer. I, I've been on the same Apple laptop for years where every year and a half, I feel like my Windows machine is just falling apart for some reason. And that has something to do with the Apple controls the software and the hardware. They do it all together. It's a just you, you can definitely feel it is a different type of product. But, you know, in the end, I say if you haven't used it, like you said, if you haven't tried it before, you should at least try it once in your life to, to rule out. <laughs> that it's not the right product for you. Yeah, and I think now I have also these nice entry points that Apple has provided with the iPad and the even the watch for someone who's interested in that. And I think these can be ga great gateway products for Apple to get you hooked into this whole philosophy that Apple uses and the, the quality that they built into their products and have you move over to other uh, of their products. I mean, for example, the iPad, when I bought it, I didn't really see the need for it. I just bought it because I was already into the Apple thing and I just wanted to try it out. But it's become an indispensable tool for me that I use on a daily basis as well. So, And I, I'm actually really interested to try the iPad Pro because I do a lot of work in cafes and it seems to me that for that kind of work I could actually use the iPad Pro which would mean that I don't have to lug around my 15-inch MacBook for these kind of things. Plus it can help you focus on your writing a bit more. I don't know if you've tried that. I haven't. Uh, one, of the, one of the guys in my office has a MacBook, uh, has an Apple Pro that he uses kind of, he has it up when he's working. Um, and I've not really looked at it yet or played around with it, but uh, the product is interesting to me. When it first was launched, I was like, eh, it seems kind of useless. I don't, why would I want a bigger iPad? Like everything's getting smaller. Why would I want bigger? I feel like the iPad mini was like the perfect size for kind of a media display kind of functional. But I am now starting to see, yeah, there is a whole segment or a whole, group of tasks that the iPad Pro is perfect for. Uh, so yeah, I think it's an interesting product. All right, so with this Apple vs. everyone else topic, I think it's a good time to, we're actually gonna have to close off the episode because we're already over our usual time allocation, but we'll definitely be continuing our discussion of hardware 
in the next episode. And in the meantime, maybe you can give us some feedback from your end as well. So that brings us actually to our giveaway. And so as we said at the start of the episode, we're starting this new thing where we're going to be giving away products, products that we use and we love. It could be physical products or software. So our first giveaway is from the great people of WP All Import. I have a newish product. It's been around for some time, but it's a newer product than WP All Import. It's called WP All Export, and they are providing three licenses for the winners of this giveaway. And James can now tell us a bit more about the product, and then we'll tell you how you can enter this giveaway. Yeah, so we're excited to be able to finally give away some stuff. Uh, so this first one is WP All Export Pro. Uh, it creates fully customized spreadsheets and XML feeds. You can edit WooCommerce products in a cell, migrate them to another site, automatically email a spreadsheet of WooCommerce orders every week, send sales or stock reports, create a Google Merchants feed, uh, or anything else you need to get done. And because it has Dropbox, Google Drive, and email integrations, you can export and send your data in any way that you want like. Uh, so it's a, a really kind of a cool tool to kind of move and migrate data from one location to another or to uh, you know use your data the way you want to do it. That's from a, from a product business, right? We're always trying to figure out how do I get the data that I need, where I need it, so that I can act on that data. And WP All Export Pro seems like a great tool to kind of get you moving in that direction. Awesome. So... Definitely a product to try. It's been doing very well since launch, and I'm excited to see you all try it out. So how are we going to enter the giveaway? It's very simple. All you need to do is submit a question about WordPress business or WordPress business owner lifestyle or whatever is vexing you at the moment. You can do that through our website. You can also mention us on Twitter or even leave a review on iTunes. And with this regard on the topic of reviews, please be honest. We'll... We love constructive feedback, so we're definitely not fishing around for five-star reviews and compliments. Although, if you love the, the podcast, please go ahead and leave a five-star review. And these iTunes reviews will also help us raise the visibility of the podcast uh, on iTunes and thus be able to reach more WordPress professionals. So, all this can be done within the next 30 days to be eligible for the giveaway. And once you're entered into the pool of entrance you'll remain there for a few months so there's no rush just within the next 30 days give us a shout out or whatever and you'll be in for the giveaway yeah in a future episode uh once we've picked a winner we'll announce those winners on future episodes of the prod of the products and the giveaways that we have so we're starting with wp all export pro but we have some other products in, in line that we're really excited to uh expose to you guys and and to give away and just to keep in mind right like like he said we can t we'll take any kind of review so if you leave a one-star review or a five-star review you're still entered to win we're not gonna this we're gonna randomize this we're not gonna show favoritism for the best five-star review or the best question just uh, engage with mastermind.fm and we are, you'll be entered to win and, and we're just excited to give you access to some tools that you might not otherwise have had access to so yeah awesome so i think we're like i said we're we're over in this episode so we're gonna close it off now as usual you can find me on twitter at jean galea or even on my blog jeangalea.com and you can find james you can find me on twitter at james laws uh, my website jameslaws.com which i really need to do better at writing on once in a while um but yeah <laughs> and you can always contact us on podcast at mastermind.fm 
that's it for today we'll see you in the next episode to continue talking about hardware so see you then thank you see ya bye